Welcome, guys, to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, my guests and I will be discussing Season 45, Episode 11 of SNL with host Adam Driver and musical guest Kelsey. I'm Steve Finn, and I'll be your interim host this time around. Joining me for a little chat about SNL is none other than John Murray. Can you believe it? We actually got the guy. <laughs> if you'd like to connect with John or myself, you can drop by the website at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the selected highlights from this week's discussion. If you want to hear our full dive in with zero ads and discussion on every sketch, monologue, and musical performance, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. Our patrons allow us to keep the lights on around here so we can keep giving you quality discussion on all things SNL. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, here we go. Getting into a pre-tape, we have an undercover boss special. Where are they now? Kylo Ren is back in disguise, this time as Randy the Intern. So this is the real reason I have you here, John, because you are also on a Star Wars podcast and you love all things Star Wars as well as SNL. That's mm -hmm. correct. I enjoy most things Star Wars, not the Rise of Skywalker, but most things Star Wars. Okay. We can have, you know, five <laughs> other podcasts. That's a, that. that's a whole nother discussion, but you are correct. I enjoy the Star Wars. I would say I'm up on my Star Wars. Yes. And, you know, we're returning to the undercover boss parody mm -hmm. for this. We enjoyed it the first time. How do we like it this time? It holds up. When he came back for the second time, I thought it was a shoe in that they were going to try and figure out how to take another run at it because that sort of was the breakout sketch from his first time hosting. They didn't do it the second time. So I wasn't looking for it this time, which was nice because when it's a little more surprising and unexpected and you don't have that expectation, you're not waiting on it and you get it. You're like, oh, okay. Yay. I'm glad that they kind of waited till they had something really clever to use to revisit it. And they didn't just, you know, rush out a sequel for sequel's sake. And I thought that where they went with it was, was good. I mean, there's nothing really clever to this. It's the scenario of it and the character of Kylo Ren that just kind of writes itself. I just like that. They found an organic way to get back into the scenario. And then what followed was all, you know, obvious office politics and the occasional force murder. And, yeah. uh, it was all working for me. I, I thought it was a lot of fun, easily the equal of the original, which is great. So high marks. Okay. I'm there with you to an extent. I wouldn't say it reached the heights of the original. Okay. Maybe not its exact equal in my opinion, but I did still enjoy it. These sketches just work because the Kylo Ren character teeters on an edge mm -hmm. of parody. You know, the character is prone to these childish tantrums and these bursts of outrage that could easily be played comedically as opposed to the dramatic way it's portrayed in Star Wars. So the fact that we have the same actor playing both versions of the character. Mm -hmm. It helps sell that link. Sure. Yeah. No, this would not be a good sketch if this was someone in the cast playing Kylo Ren. Right. You, yeah. Half the joke is Adam Driver doing his Kylo Ren shtick, but you wouldn't get that gravitas. You wouldn't be able to tap into the character and sell it if it wasn't the same actor. And that's, that's why when he comes back, they need to try really hard to make sure that if there's any way to do this, you do it. Cause you don't, you can't do it on any other week. Right. Yeah, exactly. And may I just say, okay, boomer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I love it that he's, he's almost like rehearsed some casual office quips to try and ingratiate himself to his, his office peers. Um, but yeah, he, he cannot sell those lines again. This is Adam driver, not selling lines 
intentionally, right? Like being calculated enough as an actor to know how to really bomb at being able to connect with people and communicate. Again, I, I, I just, I marvel at him as an actor because I think he does a lot more with his performances than we realized. I think that's why he kind of has this uh, reputation of being so intense and maybe um, off-putting a little bit. Cause I think he, he really thinks a lot about his craft. And I think that's weird because there's a lot of guy actors that they're really always playing themselves, especially like in action adventure movies, you're, you're just getting a version of the actor on screen. And we like the character for that, for being, you know, the actor's larger than life personality. But yeah, with Adam driver, it, it seems like, yeah, there's just so much that he's calculating and trying to, to sort out and, and make perfect as he goes. And I don't, I like to watch it. He's a fascinating oh, yeah. guy. Yeah. It, it, and it's fascinating for sure to, just to see how serious he takes his craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might've heard about the time he walked out of that radio interview because they played audio from one of his performances. Oh, he really, <laughs> yes. Like he cannot be that close to his. Right. Work. Right. Yeah. So that goes to show how much he covets it and, and takes it serious. It is funny that you, you hear these anecdotes about him being really, really precious about his art or being very closed off or being very intense. And yet he comes to SNL and it really looks like he knows how to just cut loose and really have fun with it. And that's surprising because there aren't a lot of people that I think walk both sides of that, but yeah, I I don't know. He's just, I guess he's just a talented dude. If he can just figure out the right way to run at any given situation, he, he certainly does a good job of bringing Kylo Ren back into undercover boss. And I thought it was working just great. Just great. Thanks. Of course, to Mikey and Streeter for putting that together. Just like the last one. We got Lily's Diner. When it comes time for closing duties, an idle waitress lets her imagination run away with her. (laughs) So, John, have you heard of the term marrying the ketchup before? No, but I love that someone else did. And this is where they got with it because this was delightful. This was, I think, a spiritual cousin to the mice that were doing... um, what? Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? That's right. The the level of of melodrama that came out in this scenario, this fantasy that's playing out in Heidi's head, was just as glorious, right? The acting was just as big, and I just really loved it. I I can't put my finger on anything other than just how silly it was as to why I enjoyed it so much. But all of the you know the little puns that they work in when you're already on board for a silly little ride. And then they elevate it with all the, the little comparisons, like when they're confessing that they were unfaithful to each other. And, you know, they're talking about that, you know, I hooked up with vinegar and we had a whatever double team of fish and chips. Exactly. Like just, yeah. So dumb, but so fun. Oh, so much fun. I, I really, really like this sketch. Me too. And for the same reasons you're saying, because it was what they were able to come up for equivalencies and visual gags yeah, yeah. Uh, in the ketchup world. They cut to not in front of my kids and the row of ketchup bottles there giving yes. birth to a little packet. Uh, yeah, and they actually do it as like a little puppet. You know, they actually like shuffle them out the door there as a little cutaway there. Yeah, just they, they said, you know what? This is a goofy, dumb sketch. So let's get as goofy and dumb as we possibly can with it. And they, they did, uh, you know, Kyle is, you know, the Mexican hot sauce or whatever. It's kind of like the idea that the bad boy kind of swoops in and is a more exciting prospect for the girl and makes her question whether she ever really, you know, loved her betrothed or whatever. Like they go to some really fun, dramatic places with this and they're all dressed up like bottles of ketchup. So yeah, what's not to love? Nothing not to love here. I mean, 
coming from a restaurant background, I remember my first day as a bar back in, uh, in Toronto. That was the first time I heard the expression. They asked me to marry the liquor. Okay. And I figured it out. If you're not brain dead, you can kind of make the connection, <laughs> sure. yeah. but guaranteed anyone will agree with me. Anybody who's heard that term for the first time, that visual pops yeah. through their head, like the bow tie and the, the veil. <laughs> yeah. I, think a lot, I think this sketch made a lot of people in the restaurant industry think they could cut it as a uh, comedy writer because <laughs> sure. we've all had this idea. Yeah. It seems so obvious, but you still need someone to actually pick up on that and say, where can I go with that? Where's the funny in that? And I think they found it all. I think, I think that they, they struck a, a really good tone by just saying, let's not do like the Virginia Wolf thing where it's the most like serious portrayal of that kind of material, but we're all in mouse ears. Like this, they said, we just got to be even more silly. It's going to be funnier if we keep it light. And then the melodrama is really going to feel good if the rest of it is just so ridiculous. So yeah, I, I think that they walked a, a, a better line with this one, even than the Virginia Wolf one. Yeah, for sure. John, what was your moment of the night? My moment of the night is going to be from the Kylo Red undercover boss sketch where Chloe Feynman is doing a confessional where she is explaining that she wants to be a pilot, but she needs to get the approval of Kylo Ren. And then, you know, he has this altruistic moment where he does her a solid and he gets her into the academy or whatever. And he puts a little helmet with a little nice note on it to just make her day. And they have this wonderful little interchange and it's, it's, it's a new day for Kylo Ren. You know, he's, he's really turned a corner and then she makes a, an off the cuff remark about Luke Skywalker and gets a lightsaber in the gut. What a fun, unexpected turn and how much fun must it have been for Chloe Feynman to get murdered by Kylo Ren? Like, you know, she's been on the show for five minutes and <laughs> right. Look at what she's doing. Like, I, I think maybe part of what makes this such a fun moment for me is I'm just thinking about the night that she had last night. Like it, it was a good night for Chloe Feynman and to be in that sketch in that role and have the little, this is my moment of the sketch. This is all built around this character and, and what's about to happen to them and be able to, you know, head over to Queens and go to some soundstage and do that with Adam driver and then see it probably for the first time with the effects in and everything and, you know, she sold it really well. It was a great moment for the show. Like it was the pinnacle of that sketch. Like when he leans over and whispers something dark and menacing in her ear as she's dying, that was a very intense turn in that sketch. And I think she made a memory for life there. And I was tickled by the whole thing. So I think that might be the moment of the night for me. She might have that moment framed in her office. And she should. She should. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah, she has not been with the show very long. And, you know, I always think about that when I see a newbie having some kind of moment that's really iconic when it mm. comes to modern culture. And just to be put opposite of Kylo Red in a yep. Star Wars setting, you Absolutely. know, that, that must be as crazy as being in a Mr. Robinson sketch to some. Exactly. That's what it is. It's those rare occasions where the members of the cast, especially the, the newer members, are probably pinching themselves thinking, is this really what I do for a living? This is my life. Is there anything more fun than, <laughs> than these little moments? 
quite a year she's having. And I think that that was probably a lot of fun and I was happy to see it on screen and, and see it come together as, as nicely as it was. It was a, a genuinely intense moment in that sketch that I think played really well. And she was a big part of that. And to be going toe to toe with Adam driver. Hey, fun. Good moment. Yes. My moment comes from science room, more specifically Adam's line. Just after he gets through the whole, the guy comes first exchange with the kids. Yes. I just love the exasperation he has there. You know, ah, that was such an uncomfortable conversation. The delivery of that, the articulation, the choice of words. Mm -hmm. It just, it was just such a great exclamation for that moment. And Mm -hmm. it was done beautifully by Adam. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Best sketch. You know what? I am giving it to Lily's diner. Let's marry the ketchup. That sketch was really, really stupid. (laughs) And I think sometimes there's an argument to be made that when dumb is done well, dumb can be brilliant. And I was just so enamored, you know, by what they put up on screen with this, that for such a, a silly, silly premise, I just, I think they went to some marvelous places with it. And even a dumb idea explored competently when everyone's having fun and you can throw in some just really corny puns or whatever it is just to, just to make it feel real good. Uh, that can be a real win. And that late in the show for me to be getting that much amusement out of that sketch, I think really, really says something about the writing of that sketch as much as people might write it off as not being, you know, smart or whatever. I, (laughs) I was having fun with it. So that's my pick. You don't need to be smart to have fun. True. In fact, it gets in the way sometimes. Yeah. You just got to be a little bit above the line. You got to be just a little (laughs) bit lad. My sketch is going to be Del Taco commercial. Okay. The other dumb sketch of the night. The other dumb sketch. We love our dumb sketches. I love my Kyle and my Beck. This just felt like classic good neighbor. Mm -hmm. Like before they were a twinkle in Lauren's eye, this YouTube stuff they were making is very much in this voice. So. Mm Classic Kyle and Beck. I just got to hand it to the team for seeing the brilliance in this. I mean, how do you watch this in a table read and see (laughs) the brilliance in this? I mean, especially on paper to see that line written out over and over again, you really got to have an eye and a taste for comedy to actually see that this could work. So I'm really happy that, you know, we have some astute, brilliant writers and producers that can say, yes, something this dumb could work. Absolutely. So what about MVP? Chloe Feynman. Final answer. That's nice. That's awesome. I already talked about how much fun I was having with her little section of the undercover boss, Kylo Ren thing, but she was very well represented tonight. She was in more than half of the material. She was keeping pace with most of the repertory players as far as, you know, just actual screen time, but every opportunity that she had to do something memorable. She did it really, really well. She was the competent actress in our first dumb pick of the night, you know, the Del Taco thing. Um, she was in the cold open, you know, in a, in a more, you know, bit player role in the cold open, but still, you know, there she is, you know, we're opening the show and there's one of our players that seems to be thriving at the show. She was in the Kylo Ren thing. She was in the clogged toilet live material opener, <laughs> whatever we're calling that sketch. Yeah. So she's just like one of the girls and. Uh, that felt good. I always like it when we see new hires thriving and both of our new featured players this year are doing exceptionally well at this point. I, I think that 
that Bowen Yang had some fun moments tonight too. And he's been doing consistently well throughout the season, but yeah, this was a great night for Chloe. I think probably the most prominent night that she's had so far. So, Hey, why, why that wouldn't be worth an MVP? Not, I don't know. I, I think, I think that's solid. Yeah. And there's a lot of nights you can point at where someone as new as Chloe is featured pretty much as a glorified extra. Yeah. This was not the case. She had some, some good stuff to show her talents. I felt like I saw a comedic performer instead of just, you know, a, a waitress or a line deliverer exactly. or, you know, someone just to move the narrative along. She actually yep. had some, some meat to chew on and she chewed it well. Yeah. I, I just bet she went home grinning. I, I think that this was probably a really fun show for her. And uh, yeah, uh, I think that's, that's definitely worth a nod. Well, I like your pick. I'm going with Adam driver. Sure. I think our host in his third time was brilliant. The confidence is showing his ability to work with understated material and yep. just revel in it is really amazing to see. I'm just so happy with how he handled everything and he was given so much range and he was able to do a little fan service for star Wars other than the space one that he mentions in the monologue. There wasn't a whole lot of oversaturation of star Wars. No, no, which I was afraid of for a hot second, but wasn't really the case. So overall, you know, obviously the host is going to be in every single sketch. He's going to have more screen time than any other person on the show. Sure. But, you know, just proportionally what he did with the role that he had as the show's host, Mm -hmm. I think he did the best with his particular job. Yeah. And even more so that on his third time in, he's also in the cold open now. So he's confident as a host and he's basically saying, you know what, put me in coach. I just want to do as much as I can. So yeah, like just use me. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm at your disposal, which says a lot about a host that, that really is just game for anything. And you also get the sense from a lot of the sketches that some of the stuff was written specifically for his voice. They want to play on that intensity. They want to be able to draw on his ability to dig deep with his characters. And because you see some of that, you realize that he's a host that the show can be confident in and make it a host driven show and not the other way around, not a handholdy show. So yeah, nothing wrong with pointing out when a solid host comes and delivers a solid episode. Nope. And those are some of the best episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. He's turned in three solid episodes and if that doesn't put him on five timers track, I don't know what does. All right. Let's, let's just get this done then. Okay. On a scale of yelling, crying, <laughs> punching, and singing. The four emotions. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? This is your first time as a guest. I won't throw a curveball at you. Okay. All right. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? Ah, a scale that makes sense. Okay. I can, <laughs> I can figure this out. I'll do you a favor. <laughs> this is an easy one to peg for me. This is a great episode. Plain and simple. I I don't think there's a whole lot of qualifying that needs to be done. He's a solid host. The show knows what to do with them. He knows what to do with the show. They had an inventive cold open that got as far as any of their cold opens get right now. He had a solid monologue that had me grinning. We had solid live material, like nothing classic, but nothing that bottomed out. Everything was performed well. And there was just a lot of goofy, charming stuff in the mix. And you had a competent weekend update to boot and Halsey, you had a really cute, capable musical guest. So there's nothing wrong with this show. (laughs) This is, this is going to show up at 10 PM in the near future. This was solid SNL. This was a good week. You know what, John, I'm giving it a great two. Mm -hmm. This deserves it. I was so elevated to see John Lovitz out of the gate. 
we had such a great solid monologue. I mean, we were on such a high, they were really going to have to screw it up for me to, you know, come down from that. Yeah. And like we were saying, the back half was strong start to finish across the board. This was just solid, consistent material. It's even a high rated great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm not barely crossing the line from decent to great. If you twisted my arm ever so slightly, I might even get the classic. Yeah. I, I think that might be overextending. Yeah. I didn't venture into classic territory simply because there wasn't anything transcendent. <laughs> you know, like there wasn't anything that you're like, oh my goodness, that's a, that's a sketch that's going to live on for the ages. We had a <laughs> lot of fun stuff, but we didn't have something that momentous. So that's why solid great. But honestly, this was one of the most fun episodes I've seen this season easily in the top three for me for the season. So I think that's a solid episode. I would put it there too. Yeah. It's clear <laughs> that the holiday break was welcomed and put to good use by the writers because they were definitely fresh and ready to, to throw down with some great material. Absolutely. Beautiful. Let's call it there. Thanks to the boss man, John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, Donald Yates, and Neil Weinstein. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host JJ The What and musical guest Luke Combs. But until then, this has been episode number 101 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Steve Finn, and I am out of here. <laughs>